What's up, everybody? Welcome into another version of Twitter Talk. Feels like we've been doing about 100 of these lately, Nate. This is four out of six, talking about MLB division portfolios headed into the 2023 season. And today, Nate, we've got a good one. We've got the NLEs. But, Nate, as always, before we get going, how are we doing this afternoon here on Tuesday? Woke up this morning, had a big old smile on my face. It's a great day to be a flame. That's all I can say, Riley. Yeah, for sure. And Nate, uh, once we get out of here, we're going to be heading to a baseball game. Liberty takes on Duke in a midweek game at home. Yep. We're going to go try and get some nice long sleeve shirts we can wear and everything of that nature because we saw it on it. We saw what they looked like on Instagram. They looked pretty cool. But Nate, we're not here to talk about long sleeve shirts this afternoon, are we? No, we're here to talk about long seasons. Of MLB baseball, that's right around the corner. Right around the corner, baby. Thursday. I got Thursday. I got my Marlins swag on for this special occasion today. The Marlins start on Thursday. They play the New York Mets at four ten in a four game series on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Nate, in the first seven games out of ten for the Miami Marlins, they're going to play the Mets. But folks, we're going to talk all things NL East right here in a moment. And Nate, I believe you have the first team. And folks, how we've been doing this lately is. We're going through how last season's teams finished. And we're starting with first place and working our way all the way down to last place. And Nate, you have the first place team, the team that didn't quite make it to the World Series. You have the Atlanta Braves, who were the World Series champion, not last year, but the year before that, so two years ago. So, yeah, the Atlanta Braves, I tell you what, Riley, they have a hot roster. But looking about how they did last season, they finished 101 wins with 61 lost. That's first in the NL East, which is phenomenal. But they, they had a hard loss fight against the Phillies. They lost a divisional series and that. But overall, their, their entire season looked good. They batted 253. Their on-base percentage was 317, and their slugging percentage was 443. That's very well-rounded as a team. And their pitching was just as good at a 3.45 ERA that's very phenomenal for a team. and But they're kind of looking at some struggles. I wouldn't say struggles, but definitely some hard spots to fill, which they have. But last season, they got rid of Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson, which Freddie's now on the Dodgers, as everybody knows, and Dansby's on the Cubs, which, I mean, I think you and I both can agree on that, Riley. They're both leaders. They were both predominant players in, in on the team. But that can kind of look at what is their approach coming into the season. They need to recover and adapt after getting rid of key players like Dansby and Freddie, which they have already looked into filling. So one thing that... And also, Nate, you speak of recover. They're already recovering because their second baseman's back. Ozzy Albies is back. Just a little shameless plug. I got an autograph from him during the COVID season. Him... Charlie Culberson and Johan Camargo all came to our field. And Ronald Acuna Jr. was at my high school baseball field during COVID, taking some VP. But Ronald Acuna Jr. was there the day before I was there. And he didn't sign anything because, you know, I don't know why. But I thought it was a super cool opportunity to go and, you know, get coached up. And there was a play, Nate, where Johan Camargo threw a rifle over to me. And I picked it out of the dirt. And they're, they they told me, nice play, Freddie. And it made me feel so good because they're like, oh, they think of me like Freddie Freeman. That's awesome. And here I am, this little this little guy. I was a lot smaller smaller than I am now, Nate. Um, this was probably sophomore year. 
and I actually wore the Ozzy Albies chain that they gave away at one of the at one of the Braves games, and he made a comment about it or something. It was so funny. It's definitely a memory I'll never forget. That's just a little side note, but folks, Ozzy Albies is back. Vaughn Grisham is going to play shortstop for Dansby Swanson. So that's another big question mark for this Braves roster heading into this season. But Nate, a lot of the talent has stayed with this Atlanta Braves team. And I think another big question mark too, the starting staff. They have three solid guys that have already been plugged in as confirmed pitchers. Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton. Jared Schuster is also on this list. He's a prospect. But Kyle Wright's going to start the season on the injured list. And as we know, Mike Zaroka got DFA'd. Not DFA'd. I'm sorry. He got sent down to the minors. His, his velo just wasn't there, Nate, 91-92. And when we saw him up in the majors a couple years back when he was pitching really well, and then, then he had a couple injuries uh, hit him, he was throwing 95-96-97, and his stuff is just not there right now. And I think it's a very smart decision that the Braves are going to start him in minor leagues just so he can kind of get back to normal and get back to himself. Yeah, definitely. But back to, like, how did you say his name, Von Grissom? Von Grissom. Von yeah. Grissom. He's going to be a good guy to fill the shortstop. During spring training, he bat 371 with 35 ABs, which is very solid. His on base, his on base percentage was 400. And then who's going to be filling at first? Matt Olson. Matt Olson. I was looking at some of his stats over spring training, Riley. This guy, he's his, his numbers look good. His batting average was 432. That's what I'm talking about with 44 ABs. But. They the, for the Braves, they definitely need to be able to fill in the cracks and keep playing the baseball like they did last season, yeah, but keep building off. And of also that. to to build off of no pun intended the, the the Matt Olson talk. I mean, Matt Olson is the guy they brought in last year from the Oakland Athletics to. I wouldn't say replace Freddie Freeman, but, but kind of bring in the same caliber of talent as Freddie Freeman had over there at 1B. Yes, folks, I'm going to say 1B. I'm going to talk the baseball talk. Me and Nate both played baseball. We're on the same wavelength, so you guys better get on the same wavelength here this afternoon. But, Nate, this Matt, Matt Olson, great player. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. I wouldn't say he's going to have like a bounce-back year because he really didn't have that terrible no. of a year. But he wasn't able to really put up the numbers that he did with Oakland last year but I think with him being um or not being having played a year with the Braves already it's kind of going to be like that Francisco Lindor type of thing yeah Francisco Lindor just didn't look good in his first year with the Mets but last year he really found himself and I think we're going to see that same thing happen with Matt Olson in this Atlanta Braves ball club yeah definitely but they're Ultimately, they're trying to get back where they were in 2021 with the World Series win. And kind of looking at what did they like during spring training, there wasn't too much different that really screened different to me about their spring training season. But they had a 17-10 and 10 record as of today, which today's the 28th. And some of the, some of the prospects, they looked really good. Sam Hilliard, he came from the Rockies. He's an outfielder, one of the guys that definitely could probably see the field in the outfield eventually here. He batted 417 with 40 ABs. His on-base percentage was just a little bit over 500 at 509, and his OPS was 1.072, which is beautiful. And Ronald Acuna Jr., coming off of the coming off coming back from uh, Team Venezuela for the World Baseball Classic, he He's starting to put the numbers in. He's putting the work in again. He looks just as good as he always have. But and Nate, folks can remember Acuna didn't play that much last year. No, he was injured. He, he really had the injury bug multiple times. Yep. And I think that was also a big loss for the Braves team. And you know, 
at the beginning of the World Baseball Classic, he really couldn't put it all together. I mean, he grounded into two double plays against Sandy Alcantara, and when he was pitching for the Dominican Republic as the starter, and that was the first time Acuna had ever grounded into two double plays in the same game in his career, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that's a phenomenal stat, but... I really think that if that if Acuna can keep himself healthy and Michael Harris can keep himself healthy, I mean, what an athlete Michael Harris oh, is at center yeah. field. And for Acuna not to have to worry about playing center field, he could play right field, left field, what what have you. I think that this Atlanta Braves outfield could be one of the best in the in Major League Baseball. And mind you, Nate, you have backups like Kevin Pillar, who is a seasoned veteran, yep. and Sam Hilliard, who is a young athlete on the come up, and then Nate. You know, not not to steal your thunder away, but going over the infield, I mean, this is a scary infield. You got Matt Olson over at first base, Ozzy Albies at second base, Orlando RC at shortstop, and Austin Riley at third base, who Austin Riley had a phenomenal yeah. year last year. 30-plus homers, a lot of RBIs, really good average hitter. Also, I, I, I love his pregame playlist, a lot of country songs, really love that country guy. Country boy. Country boy. Then, Nate, what can you tell me about, you know, not only Travis Darnold, but Travis Darnold has another catcher next to him that's playing with him who the Braves were able to get in free agency this offseason who's arguably one of the best defensive catchers and, and can throw anybody out in the game, Sean Murphy from the Oakland Athletics. What can you tell me about Sean Murphy and what are the Braves getting in this catcher? Yeah, I definitely think Sean Murphy got his uh, he got his bail out of uh, Oakland, definitely coming out of there. Wasting his talent in Oakland, I definitely think he's going to find a better fit with the Braves for more potential to get some wins and possibly a World Series. This guy is phenomenal catcher. I'd, I'd probably say he's one of the best in the league, if not the best. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but he's one of the guys that stands out on the page to you. He His batting average, he batted 267 in spring training. It's, he's there. He's that guy for him. And who did? Do you know who caught last year for Atlanta? Travis Darnold was a main catcher, but now Travis Darnold, he doesn't always have to have all the pressure on yeah. him because the Braves were constantly going through backups. You know, Manny Pena was in there. He's just he's a seasoned veteran, as I've said before about Kevin Pillar. But now having Sean Murphy, a guy that's only the age of twenty eight, behind the plate with you, and a guy that can play, you know, every day or you know can insert himself in there and have the same defense that you have is just absolutely phenomenal to have on the Braves roster. Yeah. And it's really going to be a confusing time for me to pick who's going to be the starter on opening day. And, you know, most major league teams, if not all, haven't released their opening day rosters yet. And it's going to be really interesting to, interesting to see who the Braves have penciled in to start behind the plate for them on opening day. Yeah. And, Nate, one other guy I forgot to add is – Utility infielder Ejire Adrianza is also going to be a part of the Atlanta Braves roster. He's had a small stint with the Braves before. He left the Braves for a little bit. I believe he went over to the Nationals. Now he's back with the Braves. There's just not an there's just not enough content and stats about Ejire Adrianza to really, you know, think about exactly what role he's going to play. I mean, yes, he's going to be a utility player, but how many games, how many starts is he, is he going to get? We're just going to have to wait and see how all things shake out because, Nate, at the end of the day, we know that this that in, the injury bug has really not necessarily plagued this Braves team, but over the past couple yeah. seasons, they've lost some oh, really big impact them. players yeah. to, the, uh, to, to the injury bug. Yeah, and definitely looking at the aspect of, like, 
What are the Braves going to have problems with? I definitely see Sean Murphy starting for the Braves this season. That's what's projected right now. Obviously, it's not official, but kind of looking into the problems that the Braves could potentially have. Nothing really screamed to me, but there's one spot that really did say something that this is going to be a, this could become a problem. You look at their starting rotation, their projected starting rotation. They have Max Fried at one, Kyle Good. Wright at two, Good. Spencer Strider at three, Good. Charlie Morton at four. Yep. And then number five, Jared Schuster or Dylan Dodd? Schuster. Schuster, excuse me. And, Nate, let me just say one thing to you. According to this article that was released, I believe, a couple days back, Kyle Wright would be in the starting staff if he were ready, but Wright is going to begin this season on the injured list because the Braves want him to get one more start before joining them. They want him to be built up so he isn't playing catch-up during the season, which is a very, very smart thing. Yep. And also, big congratulations are in order for Jared Schuster, who has made the opening day roster as a 24-year-old. And the lefty had a terrific spring, and he's expected to debut April the 2nd, which is going to be the final game against the Nationals in Washington. But, Nate, are there any statoids that you can tell me about how Jared Schuster's spring training has gone because at the end of the day he's had a terrific spring and Nate once we're done talking about Jared Schuster and everything with the starting rotation I mean the Braves have gotten a lot of new pieces in the bullpen as well and that's something we need to cover too yeah definitely looking at Jared Schuster's stats from spring training he had a 1.45 ERA which is absolutely that's phenomenal pretty darn good yeah this kid came out of Wake Forest he's round one pick overall 25th this kid's a stud He's, he's going to be a good asset. But the question is, is who's going to be the five spot for the Braves? And that's definitely going to be a question because you, you can go look at Dylan Dodd. He has a two-ERA. He, he won one game in spring training. He was a third-round pick, overall 96, coming from southeast Missouri State. A little bit lower pick, but the stats are still there for He pitched 18 innings. He had a whip of 1.06. It's definitely going to be a battle for that five spot, except, especially when Kyle Wright comes back. Who's it going to be? Yeah, and, you know, again, looking at the starting rotation, I mean, Charlie Morton didn't have a great year last year. Um, if, if you're a Braves fan or follow baseball at all, you know that. Charlie Morton just didn't look great, to be completely honest with you, Nate. And, I mean, I, I've been telling people that I don't think Max Free is going to have a very good year. Yep. At, the, at the end of the day, Nate, in 14 innings this spring, he has a zero ERA. I think Spencer Strider, now that he's a starting pitcher, I think that could have its setbacks to begin the season. But I think that, you know, going into the second month of the year, I think Spencer Strider is going to really find his stride, no pun intended. And I just am really interested to see what this Jared Schuster guy is going to be able to do. And I think the big question mark right now for the Braves is who's going to get that fifth position in the starting staff while Kyle Wright is on the injury list for the first week or so of the year. Yeah. But, Nate, let's kind of change our focus. Let's go to the bullpen. I've got nine names in front of me that will more than likely make this opening day roster for the Braves. Left-handed pitcher A.J. Minter, phenomenal. Yep. Right-handed pitcher Joe Jimenez, Good. Right-hand pitcher Colin McHugh came over from the Rays last year. He's going to be in their bullpen again. Left-hand pitcher Lucas. Ooh, Steve would need to be in here because this is a former Yankee. Lucas Lutgage. Do you know how to say that? Red Sox fan? Uh, He's in the Yankees bullpen. Lutig. (laughs) Lucas Lutig. 
Sorry, folks. I don't know. Left-handed pitcher Dylan Lee came up from the minors last year. Really solid lefty. Right-handed pitcher Jesse Chavez. This is really the only guy that I have a question mark for why he's projected to be in their bullpen. Right-handed pitcher Nick Anderson, who's who stopped with the Miami Marlins a couple years ago. Found himself again with the Rays. And he's looked really good. And then last but not least, right-handed pitcher Michael Tonkin. Don't really know about him. That's a name that I'm kind of um, unsure about. Don't really know a whole lot about him. But Nate, uh, if you can give him anything, not him, if you can give me anything about any of these potential starting nine guys in the bullpen for the Braves, who are some names to keep an eye out for? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I forgot a pitcher. I completely skipped over right-handed pitcher Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates is an older veteran, seasoned veteran, really good pitcher, known for his velo. Going to be really interested to see what he's going to be able to do for the Braves this season. But, Nate, what can you tell me about this Braves bullpen? One of them is A.J. Minter. I think right now he's projected to be the closer for the Braves coming on opening day. Last season, he posted a 2.06 ERA with five wins and four losses. He pitched innings. He, he pitched 70 innings. And he has a whip of .91. And spring training wasn't as great, but he only pitched four innings with an ERA of 4.15 with a whip. But back to Lucas, it's called Licky. Licky, I guess. That's it, how they pronounce it. Licky. Licky. I don't know. He's a, he's a pretty good guy looking at some of his stats right now. He has a 2.67 ERA with 57 innings pitched. He has a whip of 1.4. Definitely another guy that you want to look at. He was drafted from the Brewers in 2008, so he's been in the league for a little bit of time now. Definitely a little bit of age on him. I mean, looking at a picture at him, you can see the bag in his eyes. He's definitely older guy. He's 36. Definitely probably has some experience. So definitely one of the guys you want to look at. Wow, I said definitely a lot. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, Nate, just before we get going, what is your prediction for where the Braves are going to be able to finish this season? And... What are you kind of most excited about for this team? I mean, they got talent all over the roster. I mean, the the bullpen pieces that the Braves are able to bring in year in and year out always yep. makes me jealous. But the Marlins have finally been able to bring in some of those bullpen pieces. But, Nate, let's not talk about the Marlins because, believe me, when I, when I get up, we're going to talk about them for quite a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, Nate, what is your projection for where this Braves team is going to be able to finish – but I'm going to do it a little bit differently than we've done at the past Twitter talks. What's the ceiling and what's the floor for this Atlanta Braves ball club? Okay, so, I mean, obviously last year they finished first. Uh, I think they're probably definitely going to finish first. But I think instead of the ceiling, because that is the ceiling first, well, I yeah. think the floor for them, <sighs> three. That's exactly what I was going to say. Three, but they make Honestly. the wild card though. And with that. folks, I, I'm I'm not trying to agree. I'm not trying to agree with Nate, but that was literally what I was saying, because, you know, thinking about the Phillies and the Mets, I just the rosters are great. Reese Hoskins is out. Yep. I don't. There's still a lot of question marks about that Phillies pitching. Excuse me, about that Phillies pitching staff. And the Mets, there's question marks about whether or not Max Scherzer. Justin Verlander are going to be able to get it done at the ages of 38 and 39. I mean, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, it's going to be a real struggle. So that's the only reason why we think that the ceiling for the Atlanta Braves is first place. And the Braves are always fight for that first place spot. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. Oh, yeah. Because the Mets had a crazy lead on them last year. The Braves came all the way back, even without a even without a guy like Acuna, to jump the Mets. But Nate, and 
but Nate, the big reason I think the floor for them is third place is because let's just say the Mets and the Phillies break out. That's where I see the chips falling into place. Yeah, I don't think they're going to fall down the fourth place. They're definitely going to. No. They're definitely better than the Marlins on paper and on the field. We've seen it year after year. But Nate, that's all we got for the Braves. So let's kind of turn our attention to the second place team now, and that team is going to be the. New York Mets, who they look a lot different than they did last season. Nate, what can you kind of tell me about the New York Mets? Looking at the New York Mets, they actually tied the Braves in a record for 101 wins, 61 losses. Their season was pretty phenomenal, and I definitely think they have a lot of money coming in from the owner, which definitely has helped them in the offseason. And folks, let, let me just tell people if they don't know this, the reason why the Braves finished ahead of the Mets is because the Braves had beaten the Mets more times head-to-head than the Mets had beaten them, I believe, is what. Yeah, yeah, because it all comes down to the divisional Yes, divisional games, if it's a tie. But looking at the Mets, I mean, this season's going to be phenomenal for them because they had some good off-season acquisitions. They signed uh, Max Scherzer. They got Justin Verlander. Huge money well, on them. Max Scherzer was already on the team in 22 um but yes they got the AL Cy Young in Justin Verlander to sign with them in the offseason which was a big move but Nate it's a it, it's one of those high risk high reward moves for me yes yeah. he yes he was an AL Cy Young last year but I mean pitchers are getting older guys are getting older I mean Justin Verlander 39 years of age just starts kind of having alarms go off in your head about exactly what he's going to be able to do for the Mets this season. And he's also in a completely different, um, co- not conference, but he he's in a completely different division. He's going from the AL to the NL, and he's going to a really good NL East. And it's just going to be really interesting to see if he's going to be able to pitch the exact same as he was able to last year when he had a dominant 1.75 ERA. He was 18-4 and four as a record in 28 games started, 175 innings pitched, 185 strikeouts, and Nate, get this, his whip was .829. There's not even a one in it. That's a phenomenal whip for a guy that's his age. I believe he's 38, Nate. Can you check me up on that? Yeah, you're right. I am. He's 38. Okay, so I said 39 before. No, he's actually 40, folks. I'm sorry. He was 39 when he signed. Now he's 40 years old. Holy cow. We're getting old. So... Well, not really, but we are getting older every day, folks, here at 90.9 The Light, and especially right here on the Press Box Podcast. But I just think that a guy 40 years old, Nate, if, is he going to be able to have another season like he did last year? I mean, the question, again, it comes down to what we've said multiple, multiple times, especially when age starts playing a factor. Who can, who can stay healthy? Who is it going to be? Because ultimately, if he can stay healthy and he can find his rhythm, he's probably going to be the best pitcher in the entire league. Yeah. All right, Nate, before we end the Mets here, I'm going to kind of go through their roster and just kind of give people who they're planning on starting, who's who's projected to make the opening day roster, all that sort of thing. Catchers, you got Omar Narvaez, who came over from the Brewers in the offseason. He's going to be the starter with Tomas Nito behind him. Really, those are re- two really good catchers. Um, and the... The addition of Narvaez allows the Mets to develop Francisco Alvarez at their own pace, which means starting their top prospect back at AAA Syracuse, and that's okay. I mean, 
Francisco Alvarez had a great spring, but you want to give him as many years and as much time to develop, and I think that that's the big reason why they signed Omar Narvaez because they don't have to worry about him developing too quickly. Yeah. They can develop him at the speed that he needs to go and know they have a guy in there at catcher that can be really good for him. Yep. First base, Pete Alonso, that's a lock. Stud. I mean, the guy's Beauty. an absolute phenomenon. He's also going to be 28 this year. I mean, that's not really that old for a first baseman, but he's starting to get into the late 20s, early 30s, and that's always like, hey, this guy's in his prime, getting towards the end of his prime, so we'll see how Pete Alonso deals with that. Second base can be Jeff McNeil, probably one of the best average guys in the game. He he has a really weird bat, Nate. He doesn't have a knob at the end of it, and he, he chokes up um, with two strikes, and he can really spray the areas of the outfield very well, and he hits 300 and above year in and year out. So I think Jeff, Jeff McNeil is a lock at second base for this Mets team. And at shortstop, we got Francisco Lindor and Luis Guillermo. Guillaume, excuse me. Francisco Lindor had a bounce-back year for the Mets last season. he found it. He really found his stride. And Luis Guillaume, he's he's another guy, very good defensive player. He can hit not as well as Francisco Lindor, but for a backup guy, the Mets can be confident that they're getting a really good guy at shortstop. And Luis Guillaume can play almost anywhere in the infield. So if anybody needs a day break, you know that you have Luis Guillaume who can play anywhere in that infield. Last but not least for the infield, third baseman Eduardo Escobar, who the Mets got from the Diamondbacks, not this past offseason, but the offseason before that. And so he's a lock there at third base. He had a decent year last year. Not as good. He didn't have a good, as good of a season as he has had with the Arizona Diamondbacks from recent. But I expect Eduardo Escobar to look good. And he, he also left camp early to play with Team Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic. So we'll have to see how that affects him. Going into opening day, same thing with Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor played with Puerto Rico, and Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil played with USA. So these guys had a lot of guys out for the World Baseball Classic, so we'll see how that affects them going into opening day. And then the outfielder for this Mets team, good all over. They got five outfielders on this yeah. roster, five guys that can start for a lot of major league teams. Mark Cannon in left field, Brandon Nimmo in center field, starring Marte in right field will, will likely be the starting outfielders for this Mets team. And then on the bench that will replace these guys every couple games is Tommy Pham and Tim LaCastro. Tim LaCastro is known for his speed, and Tim LaCastro is the most significant roster surprise, and he made the team over Darren Ruff and will serve as a late-game pinch runner and defensive replacement because of that speed. And Tommy Pham, great outfielder, great hitter. He's just an older guy, but boy, does he still have stuff left in the tank. Then we go down to the designated hitter, Daniel Vogelback. Daniel Vogelback is just going to be a full-time DH. He's not going to have to worry about the first base that much, I don't think. And I think this is a great DH option for this Mets team. He's he's been a pretty consistent hitter over the over the years, and I look for him to continue that. Starting pitchers, this is where it gets a little interesting. Max Scherzer at one, Justin Verlander at two. Kodai Senga at three. It'll be interesting to see how he's going to do when he faces MLB pitching. He's yeah. he's penciled in as, as the third starting pitcher for the Mets. Then you got the fourth pitcher, Carlos Carrasco, who had a decent spring. And then last but not least, you have David Peterson. David Peterson has kind of had an up-and-down career in terms of Major League Baseball with the Mets. But last year, he really found his groove 
and uh, I look for him to be a really solid five or, or fifth uh, pitcher in the rotation for the Mets. And last but not least, the relief pitchers, Nate. Adam Ottavino, David Robertson, who came over from the Cubs, Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, Steven Nagosik, John Curtis, who was a former Marlin and Brewer, Tommy Hunter, and Dennis Santana. So this is a part of the Mets roster that's a little questionable. They don't, ha- they don't have a ton of big names in excuse me, in their bullpen. I mean, there's some guys on here that I don't I've never heard of their names before. But Nate, as we know, you know, to get to get a big name, you have to start out small. I mean, just yeah. look at Shohei Otani. Nobody thought Shohei Ho oh, holy cow. Nobody Shohei thought, Otani. Yeah, nobody thought that Shohei Otani was gonna be the type of player he was when he first came to the major leagues and look at him now. Best in the league. But that doesn't mean that some of these guys in this Mets bullpen aren't going to have phenomenal seasons. But, Nate, if there are a couple names to note, Adam Ottavino, David Robertson, Tommy Hunter, and John Curtis are probably the big four guys in that bullpen that the Mets will lean on a lot to eat up a lot of innings for them. And then Smith and Hunter, uh, Drew Smith and Tommy Hunter are roster locks, while Nagosik and Santana are out of options and appear set to make the club. And then Curtis, meanwhile... Or this is John Curtis was a spring training star. He struck out eleven batters over six and two thirds innings, with a two seventy ERA. So this bullpen might be a little bit of a question mark right now, but I think that they can find themselves being pretty solid to know, to open up the season, and they're going to have to be solid against yeah. a really good NL East division. Well, yet again, they have a lot of money on the line here, so it's going to have to be worth it. Hopefully, we'll see. All right, Nate. Same two questions that I asked you at the end of the Braves. First question is, where do you see the Mets finishing this season? And do you have anything else to add to this conversation? And then what's the ceiling and what's the floor for the Mets? I see I see the Mets landing at three. Okay. I think this is going to be a failed investment for the Mets. But here's the thing. My floor, this is going to sound really, like you said, this is high risk, high reward. The Mets either fail or they don't. The floor is five for the Mets. The ceiling's one for the Mets. I think this season's going to either go completely dogfire or all the way up to the top. Yeah. And, Nate, we have to actually end here. There's a DJ shift in the studio, so we're going to have to continue this here. Once we get done, we're going to have to cut it off here after two teams. I agree with you. I think... Um, I don't, Actually, you know what? I think the Mets are going to finish at second, right behind... I, I think the first three are going to end... You know... I think the NL East standings are going to end the exact same way they did last year. I think the floor for the Mets is third, and the ceiling for the Mets is second. All right, folks, now transitioning over to the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies finished 87-75 and 75 last year. They lost the World Series to the Houston Astros, who were a very good team in the American League. And it always felt like they were the team to beat last year in the 2022 season. But, folks, let's kind of talk about what they've liked in spring training so far. This this first bit of news goes all the way back to the World Baseball Classic. Trey Turner. This man continues to rake. He hit five home runs in the World Baseball Classic. And he hit one in the championship game against Japan. He hit... I mean, dude, this guy just... Moral of the story is this man continues to rake throughout the World Baseball Classic. And Nate, in his first spring training game back after the World Baseball Classic, he hit another home run. And this guy's going to be a top candidate for MVP. And this is a much-needed contact and power bat, as well as speed to this Philadelphia Phillies lineup. Because all over the team, there's a bunch of power. And Nate, you have some of those hitters in the infield 
and in the outfield. So, Nate, can you give us some of those infield guys as well as the outfield guys that we can keep an eye on this season? Yeah, so the, right now the projected opening day roster for the Phillies. At second base, we got Bryson Stott. He's really a guy to be looking out for because, I mean, this guy's phenomenal. He's batting two eleven right now in spring training, which isn't great, but last season he played a huge asset. He had 427 ABs. He batted two thirty four. His on-base percentage was six fifty three. A great guy to be looking out for this season. And kind of moving down to who's at shortstop. This is the guy that I think a lot of people are going to be talking about for a while until the hype dies down about him. Trey Turner. I won't be talking about him. Why? I'm kidding. No, dude, he's a, he's a guy really is, good player. Right now, I think this guy is probably the most popular guy in the MLB right now. He's batting right now in spring training. He batted 478. And as Riley said, during during the World Baseball Classic. Five he, home runs. He really played a huge asset in that entire tournament. Yet yet we lost. USA lost. But I think Trey Turner would possibly. He would have been the MVP. Unless Mike Trout hit the yeah. game-winning home yeah. run to tie it. Mm-hmm. But Trey Turner is all. An all-around player that you definitely want to look out it, for this it would season. Have either, it, it would have either been him or Yoshida Mazataka, or I, yeah. I think that's how you say his last name. It would have been either Trey Turner or him, and then if Mexico made the championship and would have won it, it would have been Randy Rosarena, no question. But, Nate, we're not here to talk about the World Baseball Classic. Let's keep going through this Phillies infield because this is going to be a dynamic infield. And the only question really is is the first base position because, as we know, Reese Hoskin, yep. Hoskins excuse me, tore his ACL. He's going to have to get reconstructive um, surgery on his knee, and we're just unsure exactly when he's going to come back. I don't think it's going to be for the season because normally the ACL is nine months to a year, and I think that's what we're going to see for Reese Hoskins, which is terrible news to inform not only Phillies fans with, but the entire baseball world because he was really finding himself last season with the Phillies. But, Nate, what can you tell me about starting third baseman for this Philadelphia Phillies roster, Alec Bohm? Alec Bohm, I tell you what, he's a stud for the Phillies. He was with the Phillies last season. And last season he batted 280. This is one guy that you definitely want to look out for because during spring training he batted 232. He's just getting warmed up. His on-base percentage was a little low, but it was there. About what he about what he did last season, two two twenty three, three twenty three. Excuse me. He's definitely a guy that you want to be looking out for, and kind of going down the opening day roster. Look, looking into the outfield. Excuse me, I forgot first base. This is a big one for, big one because of Alice Hoskins injury. Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins. We have Derek Hall. Derek Hall, he's filling in for Reese Hoskins. And looking at some of his stats during spring training, he batted 309, he had 55 ABs. During the regular season last season, he batted 282. Looks like a pretty well rounded guy, a good guy that the Phillies could have to be able to depend on. He's not going to be as well, he's not going to be as good as Hoskins was, but he's going to be another guy to definitely fill in for them. I mean, this is going to be a big power bat, Nate. I mean, this guy had 17 hits and 55 ABs. You said a 309 average, five homers, 12 RBIs. I mean, this guy's a very big man. 6'4", 232 pounds, 27 years old. I don't want to say this is his last shot to really do something big with this MOB club in the Phillies, but it's starting to you know, get to seem that way because Reese Hoskins is still pretty young. He's in his 30s. 
So I think if Derek Hall wants to show the Phillies that he can be a DH or he can be a really nice utility slash bench guy for this Phillies team, this is the year to do it because he's going to get a lot of the reps to know, to open up the season. Now, Nate, who can we keep an eye on behind the dish for this Phillies team other than the really good, the really talented catcher? He's just okay at the game, JT Real Muto. Who, let me tell you something, folks, before. In yesterday's spring training game on Monday, JT Romuto got thrown out of the game. He was trying to grab a ball from the home plate umpire, and he thought the ball was in his glove, so he put it down to put it in his hand, and the umpire just didn't like that because I guess it was a little bit too early for JT to put his glove down. So the umpire threw him out. Everybody in the baseball world, fan, critic, writer. It's a joke. Everybody thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. Nate thought it was a joke. So, Nate, with that being said, and JT getting thrown out, what can you tell me about JT? What has he been able to do this spring? And, Nate, just kind of give everybody an idea of how good this catcher is. This guy's a stud. He batted 333 during spring training with 18 ABs. This is a guy to look out for behind the plate. He's definitely a guy that you don't want to steal on. He's got an arm on him. But looking at what he did last season, he batted 276 throughout the whole entire season. Absolute stud. He had 504 ABs. Definitely a guy to look at. But another guy that's going to be sharing behind the plate with him is Garrick Stubbs. Stubbs. His spring training wasn't as good. 105. I can actually say I've been making some really harsh accusations about batting averages. But I think it's fair to say, Riley, 105 isn't what you're looking oh, for. Oh, it's, it's terrible. And, I mean, the guy's only gotten 19 ABs. He scored two runs, two hits, no homers, no RBIs. And, I mean, even last year when he was with the Phillies, I mean, small sample size, 106 ABs, 19 runs, 28 hits, five homers, 16 ribbies, only two stolen bases, which isn't bad for a catcher, to be honest with you. No. And he hit 264, which isn't terrible. 350 on base percentage and 812 OPS. The league average is 900. But at the end of the day, Nate, this guy's going to get a shot. He's going to get an opportunity. To play behind JT Real Muto, one of the best catchers in the league. Maybe he can find a stride again. I mean, this is another older guy on this Philly roster that is still considered a prospect, and the guy's 29 years old. So if Garrett Stubbs wants to kind of make a move here and try to maybe gain that starting position once JT retires or or whatever happens, we're, we're not sure what the Phillies are going to do down the road. Garrett Stubbs needs to make a name for himself here in the 2023 season. And Nate, before we move on to the pitching staff that this Phillies team offers a lot of new faces on on that staff. What are some outfielders that we can take a look at here for the Phillies other than, you know, Nick Castellanos? And they just added Brandon Marsh um, as well um, before the trade deadline last year from the Angels. And then they got Kyle Schwarber, who was with the Cubs, then the Nationals. They got Kyle Schwarber last year before the season started, who he had a phenomenal World Baseball Classic, and he's really found his stride since he left the Cubs I think it was because of the wind that he faced in Chicago. He wasn't able to hit as many balls out of the yard. But, Nate, take us through the outfield. Nick Castellanos, Brandon Marsh, and Kyle Schwarber. Kind of take us from left field to right field. So you'll start with Kyle Schwarber here. What was Kyle Schwarber able to do last year? And, you know, if anything, has he gotten any action in spring training because of the World Baseball Classic? What do we need to know about this outfield heading in to the 2023 season? I love Kyle Schwarber when he was with the Red Sox for a short period of time. He he was really good. I mean, he he hit hot for a while. This is the thing I've noticed about Kyle Schwarber, especially with the Cubs in the Nationals. 
he has his moments. I mean, when he left the Red Sox, he was doing really bad. But when he first arrived to Boston, he was hot. Can't remember what he was batting, but he was actually one of the highest batting averages in the league at that point in time. And then when the Red Sox got rid of him, he went on to Washington. And pretty sure, I think that was the year they won the World Series. Am I right? When was, when did the Nationals win the World Series? Because one in twenty, no, he he was on the team in uh, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, one of those years. I think Kyle Schwarber was a member of the Red Sox during the COVID season because yeah. it was shortened. And I remember Kyle Schwarber's stint with them wasn't that long. Then he went to the Nationals in twenty one, kind of revamped his career. Yeah, he was. Then, then he hot. was with the Phillies and Nate. You know, I I I told you to give me the stats for the twenty twenty two regular season, but I'll go ahead and give them to everybody. Five hundred seventy seven abs. 126 hits, he scored 100 runs, had 46 dingers, Nate, almost a almost a 50 bid, 94 ribbies, 10 stolen bases, which for a guy that's six foot 229, you'll take that. No offense, Kyle. He had a 218 average. And Nate, in spring training, he was decent. I mean, he did get 26 ABs, which is a little bit surprising because of the World Baseball Classic. Six hits, one homer, three RBIs, four runs scored, and a 231 average. So... Pretty decent spring for Kyle Schwarber just because, you know, he didn't get to play a lot because of the World Baseball Classic. But, Nate, two guys I really want to know about is tell me about center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies in Brandon Marsh and also tell me about Nick Castellanos. But let's start with Brandon Marsh, a guy they got at the trade deadline from the Angels last year that really helped him with their playoff run. And as we know, the Phillies weren't able to get it done in the World Series, but they played the Astros hard. They played in the playoffs hard. Nobody thought they were going to get there. So what can you tell me about Brandon Marsh? Brandon Marsh in the 2022 season, he batted 245. During spring training, he batted 220. And in the 22 regular season, he got he got looks at he got 424 ABs, which is pretty phenomenal. He had 104 home hits. Excuse me. I thought I was about to say home runs. He only had 11 home runs. Pretty mediocre. He had 52 RBIs. He's a well-rounded guy, and I think he's definitely going to fill the fit for the Phillies. But looking at his spring training numbers, he had 50 ABs. He definitely got some looks and batted 220. His on-base percentage was 339. His OPS was a little bit over 650. I'm really – how I feel about Brandon Marsh's fit for the Phillies, it's definitely going to be a guy that's going to be able to play the outfield. He's a phenomenal outfielder looking at how he plays – but, I mean, you can transition over to left field. Nick Castellanos. This guy. Castellanos. Castellanos, excuse me. I'm terrible with names. But got to figure them out, Nate. We're doing doing Major League Baseball here, bud. They get a little the twisty. season right around the corner. They get a little twisty. But looking at some of his stats from the 2022 regular season, he had 524 ABs. He batted 263. His on-base percentage was 305. He had 138 hits. Little bit more home runs than Brandon at 13 home runs. His RBIs was 62. Looking at spring training there, his numbers were pretty good from warming up. 235. His on base percentage was 371. His ABs he had 51 ABs. He had 12 hits, three home runs. Definitely some slugging there for the few at bats he had in opening during spring training. But kind of looking at this Phillies team. And they're one through nine. It's it kind of makes me confident that they're going to have a pretty good run. But just to quickly kind of go over their pitching, they have Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Tyson Walker, 
Those are some of the big names that really stand out. No, folks, not the Zach Wheeler that works here at the station. This is a different Zach Wheeler, okay? But those those are just a few of the names that really stand out on their starting rotation. For me, I don't know about you, Riley, but there's really Bailey Falter. I've... He was one of the guys. He did stand out a little bit, but and I mean Nate, I I I think we're forgetting a really big name on this pitching staff. I mean Taiwan Walker, pitcher for the Mets last year, he is a phenomenal pitcher. I don't have his stats pulled up quite yet, but Taiwan Walker really was able to find himself with the Mets organization, and, and he's going to find himself in the starting rotation for the Phillies this year. He had a really good first half of the year last year with the Mets. Kind of slowed down in the back half, but in 2022, 12-5, 3.49 ERA, 29 games pitched, 29 games started, 157 innings, 132 strikeouts, and 1.19 whip. And then this spring, it's been a little rough for him. He's 1-2 with a 7.71 ERA. That's terrible. Three games pitched, three games started, nine in the third innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, and a 1.93 whip. So Tomlin Walker kind of looking for a bounce back to open up this season just because his spring training didn't go the way that he wanted it to go. And, folks, let's go down to the bullpen. Jose Alvarado still there, a guy that gets it up to 100. Andrew Bellotti, good pitcher. Connor Brogton, he's an eighth inning guy. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell was brought over at the uh, in, in the offseason. Uh, junior uh, Marte, Gregory Soto, who was brought over in a trade with the Tigers. That's a lefty who was an all-star last year. And Andrew Vasquez, I mean, all these guys – I mean, at the, at the end of the day, Nate, this bullpen looks really good. Seven of the eight bullpen jobs were locked up until the Phillies moved Strom into the rotation just because of injuries and things like that. Yunor Marte had been the obvious choice for a spot based on the impressive spring. And uh, Thompson, the manager of the Phillies now, because he was the interim manager last year when Joe Girardi got the... Uh, Got the go from the the Phillies. He got the boot. And he's raved about – Thompson has raved about Marte since the beginning of camp. And then Vasquez got an opportunity because of Suarez's injury. Vasquez entered Monday having struck out 14 and walked three batters in 10 innings pitched. So, Nate, on paper, this Phillies bullpen looks pretty phenomenal. phenomenal. And if I had to say the ceiling for the Phillies, I think the ceiling for the Phillies is first place. And I think – the floor for them is third. I mean, that's kind of been like, you know, the first th- three seeds, based on how their seasons go, are kind of interchangeable. Yeah. But I think that the three teams that will be in the first three spots are the Phillies, Braves, and Mets. We just don't know, folks. We can only guess where they're going to finish. But if I had to guess where the first three are going to be, I've already said a little bit on this uh, on this Twitter talk here, four out of six here, covering the MLB 2023 portfolio, bringing you the NLEs today. I said the Braves won, Phillies two, Mets three, Marlins four, Nationals five. And I just think that, you know, all these teams, you know, I don't think, I mean, Every team has a shot at the beginning of the year, which is oh, great. Yeah. I mean, any team can go on a run and be in first place, and then they can finish last. I mean, we, we've seen it happen time and time again. But I think with these three teams, it's going to be a race all the way to the end. Both these te- All three of these teams just have that type of talent on them. And I think before my prediction was Braves, Mets, Phillies, like it was the same exact thing as last year. But yeah. I'm gonna change it up, Nate. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if this is what I said, but I believe it's gonna be the Braves, Phillies, Mets, Marlins, Nationals. And I think the Mets and Phillies will be very, very close 
at that second and third spot. But, folks, to move on now, we are going to be talking about my team, sadly, not not really sadly, sadly. but we're going to be talking about my team. I'm very excited. They've made a lot of off-season acquisitions and transactions and things like that. The Miami Marlins, we're going to be talking about them right now. Last year, they had a 69-93 and record. They were fourth place in the NL East. And, hey, at least we weren't last, Nate. It's true. Our manager last year was Don Mattingly. He's no longer with the team. We have a new manager and a new staff. Skip Schumacher is going to head up the Miami Marlins. That's a great name for a manager, Skip. I think that's a great name, Nate, because a lot of managers back in the day were named Skip. This guy comes over from the St. Louis Cardinals, who, as we know, the St. Louis Cardinals in previous years have been very, very good. Yep. In the hitting last year, the Marlins hit for an average of 230 and 5,395 ABs. They hit 144 home runs and had 154 RBIs. And the thing for me is keep in mind that a team, that as a team, they had fewer RBIs in games played last year. That's a no no for me. You got to have at least the same amount of RBIs, if not more RBIs, than games you've played. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's got to be a gimme. And I think that they've brought in some talent to do that this year. They had 436 walks last year and almost 1,500 strikeouts. They struck out 26% of the time, which is no bueno. It's not good, which is pretty terrible. And the Marlins did have 122 stolen bases, and they had John Birdie on their ball club, who had the most stolen bases in the league last season with 41. He's still with the team. Don't worry, Nate. The pitching, they had a combined ERA of 386, which isn't terrible. 69 wins, 63 losses. Yes, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, 1,437 innings pitched. They allowed 676 runs. 617 of those were earned. Nate, you ask, what is their approach coming into this season? New manager, Skip Schumacher, and his staff. I'm sorry. There's a new manager in town, Skip Schumacher. New staff. Almost entirely new. They brought in the hitting coach from the Dodgers, assistant, I believe. They brought in John Jay, who used to play for the Miami Hurricanes. So they brought in all these different guys to come coach this team. Now the staff is together. It's just the fact that are the players going to be able to able to perform. Now, their approach for pitching this year for the Marlins, their approach into this season was to improve their bullpen and to maintain as much starting pitching as possible. They only lost Pablo Lopez from the starting rotation, and they've added pieces to their bullpen. So that's a win. Yeah. Hitting. The Marlins want to not strike out as much, and they want to be able to put the ball in play. That's the big mission this season. A year ago, it was about finding guys with power, but now with Skip Schumacher at the helm and running things as their manager, it is about contact, contact, and more contact. So they've added Gene Segura and Luis Arias, and they've added you know Garrett Hampson, who's not going to make the opening day ball club. Um, but at, at the end of the day, Nate, last year the Marlins were so close. If, if a couple more games go their way, they are able to really take advantage of a season and have yeah. more wins on the table. I mean, they had 41 run losses last year, 41 run losses. And if they turn half those into wins, the Marlins might very well have made a wild card spot. Yeah. And, you know, for a team to have that bad of an offense and to stay, you know, in, in games against some really good teams, the MLB. And now that the Marlins are playing everybody, because everybody plays everybody, maybe that will benefit them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely looking into that. Can I ask you a question, Riley? If you're no. Skip, well, I'm going to ask it anyways. Go ahead. If you're Skip, and you guys start having, as a new manager, 
you guys start having a bad season right off the bat. But you guys have, looking at your roster, looking at your bullpen, looking at your starting rotation, you guys have the you guys have the guys to have a pretty good season. What do you tell your guys if you start the season behind? What, what are you saying to them? Um, if they start off behind, I'm saying, well, guys, the mission's not over and we're not out yet. But the bottom line is, Nate, we we can't play the Mets twins and then the Mets again in the first ten games of the season and drop seven of them. No, that's not that's 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 not the standard from Skip Schumacher. I think the goal would be for them to win at least half. That half. would be the goal because if you can win half of the games against the against the Mets and the Twins, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, to face the Mets seven times out of the gate, I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah. I mean, the Braves are facing little twiddly doe, the freaking Nationals. Twiddly doe. So. But, Nate, what did I like in spring training? What did you like in spring training? Gene Segura has looked more comfortable at third base. He's made some pretty dazzling plays over there at the hot corner, which is really not his main position. He's a main shortstop and second baseman. But for him to really find himself over there at third base is really, really encouraging for me to see. His bat has also been hot all spring. Whether or not he's been, whether or not it's a hit, he's made really good contact all spring long, and he's really trying to – He's not trying. He he's really just putting together some quality ABs, yeah. really doing good things for this Marlins organization. Number two, the Marlins only played two games with its projected lineup this uh, spring. You know, while while teams were at the World Baseball Classic, then then they were able to play a couple with their projected lineup. They were able to compete a little bit more, but now the team has a week or so left to play with the whole band back together, and. You know, here we are, spring training's already over, so this is kind of an old comment. But to be quite honest with you, Nate, even with that whole band back together, it still looked a little rough on that field. So I'm thinking maybe the guys that opted out to go to World Baseball Classic maybe should have thought, hey, let's slow our roll because there are some big offensive guys and pitchers that went to the World Baseball Classic, and we could have really used them to build chemistry and build the team. So it, it, it almost feels like we're kind of set back now a little bit. Number three. Trevor Rogers, for the most part, has looked really good, and he, he he's looked more and more like his 2021 All-Star self for much of the spring, and he has gotten hit around quite a bit as of late. Yesterday, the Marlins played a uh, inter-squad scrimmage. He let up a home run to Yuli Gurriel, and he let up a lefty-lefty home run to Jesus Sanchez, so that doesn't make me too, too happy. And um, last but not least, you could take this with what you will, Nate. I mean, the Marlins went 7-16 in spring training. I don't necessarily like that at all. But at the end of the day, in most of the games, a lot of the youngsters were playing. But um, I also think the the Marlins hitters just didn't do well. And obviously, Sayo Garcia looks horrible. I mean, this the the guy sucks. I'm gonna say it right now. He sucks, dude. He is terrible. I mean, he started off spring amazing, but th- this guy just he he cannot put a good at bat together. And I don't know why we're giving him another opportunity to be in our outfield because the guy stinks. He sucks. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say it on the mic. I know I'm being harsh, but at the end of the day, you got to get guys that are proven to play in the outfield. Right now, we're testing Jazz Chisholm at center field. Get a known outfielder. Get a known couple outfielders that have been known to play that position and to have that spot locked up before the season starts. Yeah, it's very important for that. But who who would you replace him with? That's the question. Brian Reynolds. Brian Go out Reynolds. and get Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds did not want to trade from the Pirates. We could have gotten Brian Reynolds. He can play center field. And then you don't have to worry about moving Jazz, and he can stay in his normal infield position because it feels like we're just experimenting with everybody. Luis Arias was a first baseman last year, and 
Now we're moving him to second base, and Gene Segura is a shortstop and second baseman. We're moving over. We're moving him over to third, and I just think guys are just too many guys are playing out of position to yeah. start a season and try to compete with an NL East. Yeah. Now, what did I not like? There's still question marks with Jazz in center field, as I've been saying. Still think we should have gotten a center fielder who is known to be a good one. Johnny Cueto has not looked good for the spring, or in the spring for the most part. He looked pretty good with the Dominican team. His velo was there. He's throwing 94, give or take. Uh, Nick Fortes might not be ready for opening day. He was dealing with some tendonitis stuff in his knee. But the good news is, Nate, he did play in the past couple spring training games. That's really good news to hear. Number three, we're still unsure about the outfield and what it's going to look like. Uh, as of right now, five outfielders are going to make the roster. Brian De La Cruz, who's a guy we got um, for a trade over to the Astros. I believe it was Yimmy Garcia, or it was either Yimmy Garcia or Ryan Stanek. So you got Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, who's out of minor league options, Jazz Chisholm, Jorge Soler, who will more than likely be a DH, and Avi Garcia, who's lost 50 pounds, but it seems like just... Losing 50 pounds is not going to be able to make you swing the bat better. At least that's what I've been able to see. And last but not least, Nate, the Marlins have looked horrible, and they cannot hit worth a crap. So, um, yes, I'm kind of bad-mouthing my team right now. It's okay. But at the end of the day, Nate, like they just have not looked very good at all. And that's kind of a little bit alarming to me. Their batting average has not been great this spring. It's like two... 22-30. They've hit like the least amount of home runs. They have the worst record in in baseball right now for spring training. So there's just a lot of concerning things, and I don't know if Skip Schumacher is really doing the right things with this team. And already out of the gate, I don't like them. And we're not even in game one yet. But Nate, let me talk about some key acquisitions that can help this team out and 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 help them be good. Um, Excuse me, folks. The mic just dropped off the thing. So the first one we have is Luis Arias, who we got in a trade for Pablo Lopez with the Twins. We have Gene Segura from the Phillies. We signed him to a year deal. No, excuse me, folks. A two-year deal. Johnny Cueto, who we got signed for a year to be that – not necessarily have the fifth spot, but have the fourth or the fifth spot. But the, the, the starting three pitchers for the Marlins have already been picked. Sandy Alcantara will be going opening day. Jesus Luzardo – Game two, and then Edward Cabrera, game three. I think those are three great starters to put out against the Mets in the opening week. We got A.J. Puck from the Athletics. We traded J.J. Bleday for A.J. Puck. Really good bullpen guy. J.T. Chargois from the Rays. He's another really good bullpen piece. And Matt Barnes, former Red Sox pitcher in the bullpen. Another pretty good bullpen piece. Nick Enright. Um, He was a big piece for me that I thought he was not going to make the team for opening day because of personal issues. He is battling uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma currently, yep. so all of our prayers up to him. He was more than likely going to make the opening day roster in the bullpen, but as of right now, he's not. And then Richard Rodriguez signed with the team on March 1st, but he's kind of been nowhere to be found in spring training. And then last but not least here, Nate, the key players for the Marlins heading into the season, Sandy Alcantara, Avisayu Garcia, Trevor Rogers, Luis Arias, AJ Puck, and Jazz Chisholm. And folks, the reason why I'm say I'm saying Sandy Alcantara is because I told Nate before that I was going to announce it like that the entire time. It's actually Sandy Alcantara. Um, but Nate, with all of that being said, I know I went really quick there through the Marlins. There was a lot of information thrown at you. What are kind of your hopes for this Marlins team? I think for me, and I don't know if it's the same for you, is they've got to try and get to 70 wins. 70 wins or over 70 wins. I mean, we were close to getting 70 wins to 70 wins last year. I mean, we had 40, 41 run losses. But Nate, what do you, what do you think about this Marlins team? You know, Riley, for for all hope and love of you, I really, really hope 
that they can put stuff together. I hope Skip's not making the wrong decisions as a Marlin. <laughs> Sorry, I have a little bit of a cold. But I hope for your Marlins, I hope they really can pull pull things out and see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as far as moving guys around and experimenting, I feel like this is a little bit too late to be doing this. I feel like at the beginning of the season, that would have been key. But I've seen the Marlins landing on the positional on their position. They they I their ceiling is three for me. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think I don't see them finishing last either. No, I I, I see the I I see the four and five being same as last year. Yeah, Marlins Nationals. But I I I do believe that this Marlins team has the roster, has the talent to just win seventy games. That's all I want is for the team just to win seventy games. I'm tired of seeing all oh, fifty five and like as a fan seeing fifty five and one oh seven. You you're thinking to yourself, what the heck are we doing out here? Like, what are we doing out here? And I think the Marlins have got to show us that they can win one-run games. That was unbelievable. 41 run losses just can't happen again. Folks, finally we're going to move on to the Washington Nationals. They were 55 and 107 last year. They were last in the NL East. Pitching last year, their team ERA was 5. They were 55 and 107. Josiah Gray led the team in strikeouts. He's going to be their ace this year with 154. Their entire staff had ERAs above 4. Their bullpen was also pretty bad, the lowest ERA and there was put up by Carl Edwards Jr. and he put up a 276 which is it's 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 pretty good for That's a bullpen good. guy hitting team average of 249 which isn't terrible on base percentage of 310 not bad 1351 hits in 162 games and that's an average of 8 hits a game Juan Soto who's no longer with the team led them in homers with 21 in 101 games played uh, Josh Bell led the team in RBIs with 57. He's no longer with the team. He's with the Guardians. And Joey Manessis, a guy that really found himself with, I believe it was Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. He led the team in batting average last season with a 324 batting average in 56 games. The approach this season for the Nationals, Josiah Gray has to have a bounce back year. He's looked really, really, really good in spring training. He's put up an ERA of .55 in the, in the spring. Joey Manessis, has to have a 25-plus homer year while keeping an above-average batting average. I think he is more than qualified to do something like that. Victor Robles has to have a bounce-back year this year at the plate. He's already looking really good in spring. Your pitching staff needs to do better. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And last but not least, they've also added some players, so they will help the team succeed, give them veteran experience, and help them in the clubhouse. What are the Marlins like in, in the spring? Washington. I've already said... I'm sorry. Right. What are the Nationals like in spring? Josiah Gray put up an ERA of .55 in in the spring. I've already said that. Victor Robles is hitting .341 in the spring. So exactly what I want their approach to be is adding up. Uh, Jaime Candelario is having a great spring as well. They brought him over from the Detroit Tigers on a one-year deal. Dominic Smith has also seemed to find his stride with the Nats after signing a one-year deal with the Nationals. He's a guy that they brought over from the Mets, a really good first baseman that was kind of hidden of his talent because he was playing behind Pete Alonzo, which, I mean, if you're playing behind Pete Alonzo, that's going to yeah. happen. Mason Thompson posted a three ERA this spring. He's going to be a big bullpen piece. Alex Call, today actually, today, Tuesday afternoon, hit a bomb off of nasty Nestor Cortez, and he's now hitting 327 on the spring, and he went two for two against Cortez on Tuesday. Now, what did this team not like, Nate? Every starting pitcher except Josiah Gray is really struggling. 
this season. Patrick Corbin posted a 450 ERA this spring. That's mid. I mean, the guy was an all-star a couple years back, and he's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth in terms of MLB. And last but or a couple more, Kyle Finnegan has not looked very good this spring, and he has posted a 563 ERA and is thought to be one of their better arms out of the pen. So I would be a little alarmed by that. And then Cade Cavalli will likely start the year on the IL for the Nationals. So they're going to bring up Chad Cool, who they had no idea that he was going to um, be on the opening day roster because he was a minor league guy. Um, they gave him a minor league contract. He was with the Pirates, got a couple starts there. But, Nate, let's move on to the, to the key transactions that this team made. Kiebert Ruiz signed an eight-year contract extension. It was worth less than 100 mil, but that's a big deal for the Nats because they, they, they have a catcher for the next eight years. Victor Robles is signed and, and avoids arbitration for this season at least. Chad Cool signed a minor league deal, but and he's going to make the opening day roster. Alex Colomb will more than likely make the opening day roster. He's a big he's a big guy in their bullpen. Yep. Corey Dickerson was a big signing for them in the outfield. He's going to get a starting job. Dominic Smith, a starting job at first base. He's signed in the offseason. Trevor Williams and uh, Jaime Candelario both got one-year deals. Trevor Williams is going to start um, in the starting staff. He looked really good today against the Yankees. He went four innings of no-run baseball. And Jaime Candelario has looked really good in the spring. And the last one is Jeter Downs. They acquired him off of waivers from the Red Sox. Nate, you know all about him as a prospect. He's really looked good. pretty good for the Red Sox. But, Nate, last but not least, who are the key players heading into this season? Josiah Gray, he's got to have a bounce back here. Patrick Corbin, he's got to be the all-star and the veteran. He's got to have veteran presence for all those pitchers on that squad. Yeah. Dominic Smith, Kiebert Ruiz, Victor Robles, and Joey Manessis. My prediction is that the um, Washington Nationals will finish last in the NL East. And Nate actually wrote at the bottom my final NL East standings before I throw it over to you. I've already said it a couple times, but just in case people weren't listening until now, Number one, we have the Braves. Number two, we have the Phillies. Number three, we have the Mets. Number four, we have the Marlins. And number five, we have the Nationals. Nate, why don't you give us uh, your last couple thoughts about the Nationals and then wrap us up with giving us your NL East standings for this season. My closing my closing thoughts for the Washington Nationals. This is going to sound really harsh, but it's just like the Oakland A's. They suck. They suck. They got to turn it around. We got to see a better season out of them. We got to see players perform better. But as far as standing wise, I'm going to have to put Nationals last. And this is my overall NL East rankings Braves at one, Phillies at two, Mets at three, Marlins at four, and Nationals at five. So it's the same as me? Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that's all the time we have covering the NL East here. This is probably one of my favorite divisions to watch, not only because my team is in it, but because the NL East has really made a name for itself in the past couple years. The Braves used to be terrible. I used to go to Braves games all the time. They used to not even compete in the NL East. But now there are three solid teams in the in the NL East, at least in the past couple years. So it's going to be a lot more exciting of a division. Folks, make sure you guys tune in. Tomorrow we're going to be doing the NL Central as well as the NL West. We're going to post the NL Central tomorrow afternoon, and then we're going to post the NL Central on the morning of opening day. But, Nate, we are two days away, le- less than 48 hours away from game one. The first couple games start at 105, but, Nate, I can tell you right now, I am very happy and very excited. It's like Christmas, I tell you, Riley. Yes, sir, definitely is. All right, folks, well, that's all the time myself and Nathan McKinney have here with this um, version of Twitter Talk, number four out of six, covering the MLB divisions for the 2023 portfolio. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope you have a great rest of your day, and God bless.